Thank you, Melody. That was beautiful. Well, today I want to preach a sermon related to our veterans, but of course also related to all the rest of us as well. What Veterans Fight For is the title of the message today. If you have your Bible, 2 Timothy 4, 7. 2 Timothy 4, 7. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I fought a good fight, finished my course, I have kept the faith. All Christians uh, need to have an allegiance to the government that we have, but we should have an either, even greater allegiance to Almighty God. We're always caught between responsibility as citizens here on earth and our responsibility as citizens of heaven. The church has always been caught between two gods and two crosses. On one side is our Lord Jesus, who died on a Roman cross as he was executed for the sins of the world. On the other side, there are many lesser gods and other crosses that promise a false salvation. These other gods are almost always embodied in the state. They most often come to us dressed in the garb of Caesar. In the end, they are committed to crushing religious freedom. Today, we face cultural pressures that are forcing us to combine Christ with other religions or to combine Christ with the ideology of some foreign ruler, or with the political agenda of some American. This is not right. Christ must always stand alone. He must not be worshipped as one who stands alongside governmental leaders of this world, but as one who stands above them as King of kings and Lord of lords. Whether it's communism or socialism or secularism, the state is always in conflict with religious freedom. The more power the state has, the more laws it will pass to diminish the role of the church. What makes this so difficult is that these changes are always made under the guise of freedom. And it will be better for all of us. Thus, the true nature of a totalitarian state is always hidden and always couched in the language of morality, progress, and liberty. That is not what our soldiers have fought for and died for these last 200-plus years. Santayana once said, Those who disregard history are condemned to repeat it. Back in the 70s, Francis Schaeffer, some of you read his works, told us that one day we would wake up and discover that the America that we once knew was no longer there. Do you suppose that that day is coming this year or next year or the year after that? One does not have to be a prophet 
to see that dark days are coming to the United States. We are trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars in debt. Many of our economic uh, scholars around the country are saying we'll never be able to pay off that debt. It's so high and it grows more every day. We have about half of the populace here in America that thinks the other half of the populace ought to work real hard and supply every need that they have. The ominous signs that are the freedoms we once assumed are disappearing right before our very eyes. Forces of secularism lead inevitably to a totalitarian state to which everyone is expected to submit. Did you ever have a lemonade stand when you were a kid? We did in my neighborhood. All the kids in the neighborhood got together and we were going to make some money for something. I think it was to buy baseball gloves for our team. And we just got real excited about it. And we got our table out there and we got all the cups and all the stuff and we made lemonade and I think the neighbors felt sorry for us, so they went out and got in their cars and drove by and bought some lemonade from us. Can't do that anymore. You need a permit to do it now. What are we to do? Should we wring our hands and go to some dark room in our house and pray for the second coming? The return of Christ is a cherished dream of every Christian. But meanwhile, meanwhile, we have a job to do. Rather than fearing what is to come, we need to see the unfolding future as an opportunity to bring glory to God. That's what the Baxters are doing on a foreign field. We have the privilege of following in the footsteps of Christians who have put their allegiance to Christ above their allegiance to the state. Hitler did not discourage people from attending church at first. He was a baptized Catholic who had long since abandoned his faith. He did not mind if others continued to attend church as long as it did not affect the way they lived or the values that they held. In fact, he explicitly said that he would not interfere with the specific doctrines that the church would be teaching. Just as long as the churches were teaching those things that were in harmony with the good of the German people, of course, as he defined good. He called all that positive Christianity. Of course, Hitler knew he would encounter some opposition from those who were not on board with his vision of a toothless Christianity. But he believed that he could crush any opposition that he might have. And he did. By intimidation and by controlling the salaries of all the religious workers in Germany. Because Germany had a state church The pastors were dependent upon the good graces of the government for their income. Hitler ridiculed the Protestant pastors 
saying that they were cowering dogs who would do his bidding for the sake of their meager salaries. So right from the beginning, Hitler sought to marginalize the church to guarantee that no Christian influence would be allowed to change government policy. Worship would have to be a private matter between a man and his God. At all costs, this was so important, at all costs, the official state policy would have to be based on humanistic principles. He said that the churches must be forbidden from interfering with temporal matters. Since Germans had for centuries celebrated Christmas and Easter, Hitler had to reinterpret the meanings of those days. Christmas turned out to be a totally pagan festival. School prayers were banned. Does that sound familiar? The nativity plays and carols, those were forbidden in the schools. Does that sound familiar? Crucifixes were eliminated from classrooms. Easter was turned into a holiday that heralded the arrival of spring. If religion was tolerated, it had to be secularized so it would be compatible with the state's ideas. These pious Christians thought that if they left Hitler alone, he would leave them alone. But they were wrong about that. He put pressure on them to have their children indoctrinated in the state schools. And thanks to the cultural pressure, their churches were not equipping members to stand against the abuses that were developing all around them. Does some of this sound familiar? You remember when you were growing up, the Ten Commandments were posted in a lot of the classrooms? Do you remember that? Some kids were taught how to read by reading the Bible. You know, nowadays, we're not supposed to say Merry Christmas. We're supposed to say Happy Holidays. And if you don't say happy holidays, something wrong with you. Haven't our soldiers, our veterans, always stood for freedom in America? They have. Don't we have First Amendment rights? I hope so. Despite his conciliatory beginning, Hitler would later try to obliterate the church. In the end, he wanted to transform the church so thoroughly that every vestige of Christianity would be smashed. There was not enough room in the churches for both the cross and the swastika. As Hitler himself mused, one God must dominate all the others. Martin Niemöller and Dietrich Bonhoeffer led the opposition to Hitler's intrusion into the affairs of the church. American soldiers through the years have laid down their lives that the church might be free, that the press might be free, that voting might be free. Be free for everyone. Everyone here today has greatly, greatly benefited from the dedication and courage of our armed soldiers 
through the issues and the conflicts that we've had in our history. Sometimes the church has been strong, and sometimes it has been very weak and cowardly. Listen to the testimony this morning of a German Christian during the days of the Nazi Holocaust. I lived in Germany during those days. I considered myself a Christian. We heard stories of what was happening to the Jews, but we tried to distance ourselves from all of that. Because what could we do to stop it? Our guns had been taken away from us. A railroad track ran behind our small church, and each Sunday morning we could hear the whistle in the distance. And then the wheels coming over the tracks. We became very disturbed when we heard cries coming from the cars of the trains as they passed by. We realized that it was carrying Jews like cattle in those cars. Week after week, the whistle would blow. We dreaded to hear the sound of those wheels because we knew we soon would hear the cries of the Jews en route to what we found out was the death camp. Their screams tormented us. We knew the time the train was coming, and when we heard the whistle blow, we began singing hymns. By the time the train came past our church, we were singing hymns at the top of our voice. If we still heard the screams, we sang even more loudly. And soon, soon, all the noises stopped. After weeks and months of those trains going by on the same day. Years have passed and no one really talks about all that anymore. But still I hear that train whistle in my sleep. I have horrible nightmares about it. God forgive me. God forgive all of us who called ourselves Christians and we did nothing to intervene. Well, this morning, perhaps we should not be too critical of that church in Germany. What would we have done in the face of such abuses? What train is rumbling past us today whose whistle we ignore? Today, we have thousands of American soldiers fighting ISIS in and around Turkey. Today, we have thousands of American forces fighting Ebola in Western Africa. God bless them. Thank God for them. The foes that they are fighting are our foes. Both ISIS soldiers and Ebola will kill us by the millions if they're left alone. I hope you voted last week for people that will care for the religious groups that are being persecuted all over the world. Hundreds of thousands of Christians have been slaughtered, have been martyred in recent days 
by radical Muslims. We have to have political leaders with courage to send soldiers with great courage to correct some of the issues of our day. Hitler responded to the opposition of the church in the same way all hostile governments respond to those who disagree with them. Hitler created a flurry of new laws and then accused pastors and church leaders of breaking those laws. Hitler believed in one way or another that God had to be separated from governmental policies and ejected from the public square. The voice of courageous Christians had to be silenced. God had to be removed to make way for the national socialistic policies that Hitler wanted in place. Niemöller was imprisoned for what we call today hate speech because he dared to criticize the ruling party in his sermons in his church. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was killed for his faith. He was martyred for his courage to withstand the opposition. He wrote many books that moved millions of people to realize that our fight is never over. Our veterans of past battles still have to be alert to the cadence of socialism that we hear in our day. We must fight it. Hitler's sales pitch was that there was an alternative to the church. The state could have a ceremony to dedicate children. The state could have its own holidays with the need to, without the need to celebrate the Christian holidays. Marriages could be performed by the state. The blessings of Mother Earth and Father Sky were frequently invoked upon couples in that day. So secularism was imposed upon the German people. The role of the church was minimized by privatizing faith and by instituting laws about what could and could not be said from the pulpit. With God and religion moved from the government, the values of Hitler's socialism filled the vacuum the church increasingly became the enemy of the state. All of this happened under the code words of freedom, peace, and fairness. The people were assured that these changes would be in their best interest. Just as Germany had Christian holidays paganized, surely you have watched that happen here. Public schools now refer to Christmas as the winter program. And we say happy holidays to everybody that we meet. The ACLU stands ready to intimidate any teacher who dares to tell the students that Christmas is a religious holiday or even worse, that it's a Christian holiday. America is going down a dangerous path. First Amendment rights are being curtailed. If you are guilty of hate speech, that is, preaching some parts of the Bible that some don't like, then you can be prosecuted for hate crimes. We will be called eventually 
domestic terrorists. Hate speech in this country will mean the same thing as it did in Nazi Germany, simply stating an opinion that the government thinks should not be expressed. No wonder the radical Muslim community supports hate speech legislation. For the most part, Europe has already lost the freedom to criticize Islam. I'm sure you read or heard about the mayor of Houston demanding that all pastors that had a reputation for speaking out on moral issues, they all had to send their sermons to her before they could preach them in their church. She's a lesbian, and she didn't like what some of them were saying. Mike Huckabee, who is the MC, if you will, of a TV show, had all the people that watched his program send her letters and marked Bibles. She got thousands of responses. She dropped her demand. Veterans, we have another battle before us. We need every veteran to fight with us. Freedom is precious. Just like Hitler in days gone by, there are people and groups everywhere today who want us to keep our religious views to ourselves. They want Christ out of the marketplace. Sound the alert. Teach your children. Teach your grandchildren what's going on. Let your neighbors know, or the whistle will blow again. Today, if you're in our worship service, and you have never trusted and believed in Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Christ for whom a lot of our soldiers have died, I pray that today you would consider yielding your heart, your life, your mind, your soul to Him and asking Him to forgive you of your sins, that you would place your faith and your trust in Christ. Today, if you're here and you've been visiting with us for a period of time, I hope you know that the doors of our church are open and that we would love to have you come and join with us, to join with us as we try and promote Christ in the marketplace. Today, we're going to have what we call an invitation. I'm going to stand right down here at the front. We're going to stand and sing. If the Lord leads you in any way, to come forward, just slip to the aisle and come down to the front and take a strong stand for Jesus who took a strong stand for you at Calvary. Let's stand together as we sing.